The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good afternoon, and welcome to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Over the next hour, you'll learn how to see your true self in the midst of life's twists and turns. You'll be challenged to think outside of the box when it comes to the mysteries of life. Now, here's your host, Andrea Matthews. It is true that one of the things we fear the most is our own fear. We want it to go away and leave us alone. We want to feel safe and warm and cared for. We want to trust life. But fear just keeps getting in the way. We may try to outweigh it, being tough, strong, and loud. We may try to erase it with drinking and drugging or some other behavior. We may cave to it by living in a small little hole for a lifetime. But fear, it is the monster in the closet. So what can we do? This show will wisely offer solutions to the problem of fear particularly in this time when a majority of the country is living in fear, we need to know what to do about fear. So stay here today. We're going to be explaining what we can do about fear. So first of all, we were all born with a capacity to be afraid. We had a startle reflex the minute we were born so that when something happened suddenly, we could startle in in reaction to it and then children very easily break into tears when they're startled like that. Uh, children also have a, an equally strong capacity to self-soothe. Uh, they can stick their thumbs in their own mouths if they're at a particular stage of development and they can, or their fist or their hand or their fingers in their own mouths and, and calm themselves down by sucking on their fingers. So that, that's a, a self-soothing mechanism that's also strong. And, you know, very commonly one of the things we teach our children at very early ages is to stop sucking their thumb. And what we're teaching them then is that something else must soothe them besides self. And so what we need to learn to do is allow our children to self-soothe, to help them self-soothe in ways that that are effective for them, but also then to teach them other self-soothing skills as they grow up. So that's just, that's one aspect of fear. What we need to understand is that fear is a natural impulse. It is not an unnatural impulse. It is not evil. It is not bad. It is not trying to take us far away from God or the divine or Allah. Okay, we've had a few problems with uh, some technical problems, but I'm coming back in now to... uh to talk about fear, and it's interesting that it's frightening to have these technical problems come up while we're trying to do this, but um, that's what I've been trying to say is that fear is a natural compulsion. It is a natural f- re- response to life, and for us not to have fear means that we wouldn't know how to react to situations that might be dangerous or might appear dangerous to us, so we need fear. And for, for when we have uh, teachers out there telling us that we should never be afraid, uh, they may be missing the mark just a little bit in, in, in that regard because it, it's telling us not to do what is natural for us to do. We have that natural response. Animals have a fear response. It's natural. It's a part of our existence here on planet Earth. And uh, so we don't want to deny it. We don't want to pretend it away. We don't want to say that, we, that fear is wrong or bad or is going to lead us to something wrong. But rather what we want to do is uh, be able to sit beside it, hear its message. And sometimes what we will hear is that the message is telling us really something very important, like that there's a Mack truck coming and we're in the middle of the street. We need to get out of the street. I've said this many times on the, sh- on the show. Sometimes what we'll hear is that uh, fear is telling us something that's not true, that we are afraid of of something that's coming up in our own minds that's not really real in the real world. And that's what we need to be able to determine, which one is which. And and so that piece, that self-examination piece is very, very important 
to um, how we will perceive reality, how we will be able to uh, walk through our lives uh, with, a, with some deal, some degree of confidence. Um, so, so if fear is telling us to get out of the road, then we can sit beside it and listen to it, and it will say, "Listen, there's a real danger here." You need to, you know, you know, pack up your things and leave, or you need to respond in some kind of way to the fear. You don't need to lay down and pretend it's not happening. You need to pay attention, keep alert. Uh, there's real danger around, and and in that sense, we can protect ourselves as much as is possible from from dangerous situations. Very commonly, it's true that when people will um, uh, pay attention to fear in this way, then it it. Um, it does come back up to um, to help us to understand uh, life on a deeper way. So we can we it get we get forewarned by our fear. Our fear is coming up to say, "Here's something that you need to watch out for. Um, uh, pay attention. Stay alert. Uh, there's something happening here that really will that you can manage if you'll stay alert." Um, and sometimes that's really helped people. People talk about having sort of a, an alarm reflex that goes off and, and how it really does tell them to, uh, to, uh, to stay alert. And because they do stay alert, then they are able to manage a difficult situation in a way that not only helps them to survive, but to survive in a way that, that they can look back on and say, yeah, I did that well. So that kind of fear is very, very important. The other kind of fear of of you know what is really going on here? Am I am I just being afraid of something from the past? Um, a lot of people are coming to me today as a therapist and telling me that they have an immense fear of what's going on in our country right now, and so uh, they're looking at the takeover of a government where a lot of hate is being organized, a lot of corruption is being organized. And a lot of uh, bigotry is being organized in a fashion that looks like it's going to have tremendous power over the public. Um, our, our rights to health care are being taken away, potentially. There's been movements to have uh, the uh, watchdog, the ethics watchdog, muted. Um, and uh, there's been efforts to uh, continue to... Um, um, you know, n- not be overseen by laws. There's been efforts to uh, take away health insurance. So people are scared of what's going to happen to them and what's going to happen to their family members. And some are even afraid with regard to the repeal of Obamacare that, or the ACA or any of its other many names, um, that um, they will uh, they will die. They will literally die. So there's a real fear there because there's real things happening. And so we can't deny that the real things are happening. On the other hand, if we live in fear constantly, then we, we don't, aren't really able to sort of step up and do what we need to do with regard to that. So, um, so being able to uh, process fear is the biggest part of being able to deal with fear. So what do you do when you've got something that's really going on that you have a limited power to deal with. And that's what a lot of people are saying. I feel like there's just nothing I can do. Well, certainly there are things that can be done. You can call your senator, your congressman, and call them on a daily basis. Call them several times a day if you want to and tell them what you think of particular things and whether or not you want them to vote in this or that cabinet member or whether or not you want them to uh, um, approve or repeal health, uh, the uh, ACA. You, there's lots of things we can do. We can sign petitions. We can march. We can go, be in protests. We can uh, write letters. We can make phone calls. Those are the things that we can do as citizens of America. And um, and certainly there are other people in higher places working as well. But but there's also this sense that there's just so little I can do and it just keeps going on and I keep getting bad news. And, you know, there's some, some people will say, well, just turn off the news, stop listening to the news. And uh, some people would say, well, that's a good option because then you're not all alarmed all the time. But then, of course, things can sneak up on you and you don't really know what's going on. So that's not a good option to other people. Um, uh, then... You know, there's the option of considering what you can do about, um, you know, your own fear. So what do you do with your own fear? Well, in order to not let it dominate your days, 
there's a lot of things you can do. Uh, meditation is one of those things. Constant focusing on um, uh, that first chakra where a lot of our fear comes from. F- focusing on uh, the things that comfort, the things that soothe. Actually going out and doing things that soothe and comfort. Maybe spend some time on the phone calling your senators and congressmen and then go so- do something that's soothing or comforting. Some people say working out comforts them. Some people say that um, that meditating comforts. People say that taking a walk comforts or music comforts or dance comforts or or uh, certain kinds of, of uh, drumming comforts. So there's... There's all kinds of things out there that you can do to comfort yourself in the midst of this so that you can stay balanced. And that's the deal, is to be able to stay balanced, to recognize that there are some things going on that, uh, that do present as danger, but also uh, to, um, to recognize that, that, that you can do what you can do and then let it go again. So that's a part of how we walk through a dangerous situation. And if we look back over our lives, we will find that we've been in dangerous situations before, and we did or did not do certain things. And we can learn lessons from those things. For example, if we panicked, very commonly we weren't able to do anything except just panic. That that place of panic says, I'm going to die here, I can't breathe, I can't move, I can't, uh, I can't uh, correspond with life. I can't be a part of anything or anyone because that fear just looms over me. And that's all I can do is be obsessed with my fear. And so panic really doesn't help us. Um, and, but, but when we do panic, we need to be able to address that. And so there's certain things that you can do with panic, and all of us panic from time to time, um, to breathing exercises to breathe in and out and feel your own breath and sort of understand that that's going to continue to happen. Sometimes for some people, when they're panicked, breathing is the worst thing they can do because they start focusing on their breath and they feel like they can't really catch their breath. So they, then they start panicking more. Uh, but but um, focusing on some object in the room, focusing on the colors of the wall, focusing on the air in the room, what that air feels like, focusing on... Um, uh, uh, the sounds in the room or the lack of sounds in the room, focusing on what's going on outside the room, if you hear traffic, really just getting into the now is what we're doing there. And that is can be very soothing. And eventually what will happen is your heart rhythm will slow down, your breathing will get paced, and you'll, be, you'll come out of the panic. What we need to understand about panic is that it passes. And it passes if we are conscious and deliberate about it to to uh, to make to to do the work of self-soothing, um, and again, we've all been taught that uh, uh, to some degree or another, we've all been taught that self-soothing is not our first option. Uh, that that uh, we need to be soothed by something like uh, drugs and alcohol, or uh, particularly sedative drugs, uh, even prescription sedative drugs. We need that kind of soothing. We need um, somebody else in our life to take care of it, to fix it, to make it better. You know, those are the things that we've come to believe in this society of the West. And this process that we're going through may, may help us to get past that so that we can begin to deal with fear on a different level and be able to self-soothe in ways that make us more conscious of our ability to self-soothe. And that's a really important feature of our our capacities as human beings, that we have this capacity to self-soothe. Um, so, but when our parents, at the ages of three or four, started saying to us, you know, you can't suck your thumb anymore, or you can't use that pacifier anymore, um, what they were saying is that, you, that this self-soothing capacity, you have to get over that really quickly. Um, but kids, and of course, we, kid's not going to keep a pacifier for the rest of his life. He's not going to suck his thumb for the rest of his life. But he can learn other self-soothing techniques that will help. And that transition can sometimes be made in a more healthy way by parents to help the child self-soothe in other ways rather than just taking away that self-soothing mechanism. Uh, but the process is one of self-soothing, and, and that's where that's going to come into play to help us balance out the, uh, this recognition that there is something out there that's possibly dangerous, yet... 
I know how to take care of myself. I'm going to do what I can about that dangerous thing. And then I'm going to let it go and I'm going to take care of myself. Because then I'll be ready for whatever comes. Um, and it's that balancing being that we need to find with regard to fear. Not to make it go away, but rather to try to, to, to find some balance with it. Making it go away means that it'll come back up later in some other way. Um, sometimes through health or bad health. Sometimes through uh, uh, some kind of psychological mechanism like panic. Very commonly what I see is people who have panic disorders have been trying really hard not to be afraid most of their lives. And then the panic begins to happen at some particular point in life. And it's all that repressed fear that's, you know, coming back up now. Um, So uh, pushing it away is not going to be the answer. Uh, But balancing it out will be an answer that we can use. And we'll be talking about that throughout our throughout the show today so we're going to take a break right now and we'll be back in just a minute the voice america seventh wave channel when you learn to see things from a spiritual perspective It changes the way you see virtually everything in your life. Listen for Dr. Paula Joyce and her program, Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit. Our program will help you get rid of the negative aspects of your life and invite love, joy, and prosperity into your life. Turn that negative feeling into a positive one. Tune in to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit, every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Do you just seem to be stuck in the same pattern over and over? Sometimes life seems to be about just spinning your wheels. It never has to be that way. Listen for Welcome to the Mosaic Garden with host Christy Ellen, the Mosaic Shaman. Mosaic art is a lot like pieces of our lives. They just need to be put back together, one piece at a time. You deserve to live a happy life. We hope you'll tune in. Welcome to the Mosaic Garden airs live every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Religion and spirituality hold their places in society today, but where exactly do they fit in? Does activism truly result in global change? Join interspiritual pioneer and scientist Dr. Kurt Johnson, along with interfaith leaders Ben Bowler and Doug King, and a host of correspondents for The Convergence, a groundbreaking show that affects our future and that of the world. Tune in every Thursday starting at 5 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel for The Convergence. Don't miss out. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Be extraordinary. Be the change. Listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1 866 472 5795. That's 1 866 472 5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthews.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. we're back talking today about fear and how to balance fear uh, against the realities of our lives so that we're, we're living in a balanced understanding that fear is a natural response, but also one that doesn't have to dominate our lives. So uh, we talked a little bit about this particular time in our history when there, uh, a majority of Americans are very afraid of what's happening in our government um, and uh, so we're so there's a lot of fear that goes around, and a lot of people are talking about that fear. And I, I met somebody at a at a gathering about a couple of weeks ago, and she met me at the door with a frightened statement. And uh, then she said, "You know, I shouldn't have done that. That's that's we're just, I'm just um, authorizing despair. I'm just giving despair 
an opportunity to take over. And that's what living unbalanced with fear can do. It can bring us to despair. It can bring us to a place of hopelessness where we just feel like there's nothing that can be done. And um, there are, uh, particularly with regard to what's going on externally right now, there are lots of people out there working to make some change and to not allow this uh, uh, fascist regime to take over. And, and so we need to trust that process, and that's a part of it. But if we haven't been taught to trust any processes, that's going to be harder for us. So then the object of the game would be to learn, what does that mean to trust a process? What, how does that work? Well, trusting a process is, is um, uh, having some processes under your belt. I think we learn to trust processes through life by experience. We, we, we have... A uh, frightening experience come up, and we're very afraid, and we walk through it to the other side, and we begin to see that fear is a friend in that it helps us to d- decide what to do about specific dangerous situations, and we and we begin to uh, process through that fear, and we begin to make decisions about what we're going to do about certain life scenarios, and we and then we get through to the other side, and we've uh, the problem is resolved, and we look back over the fear, and we go, oh well, that was a process. I see now that was a process, and I, I got to the other side of that process because I listened to myself. And that, that awareness allows us to, uh, to have that experience that says, okay, I know now that I can trust the process. It's going to carry me somewhere. I'm going to get to the other side of this. Um, especially if we've had two or three experiences like that, we can look back on and go, okay, this is what happened. This is what I was afraid of. Um, this is how I listened to my fear, and this is how I got to the resolutions that solved the problem and got me to the other side where I was not afraid anymore. Um, that piece is very important, that experiential part of how we learn to trust a process. But there is a process going on all the time, and certainly that's a, a, an aspect of faith, that we trust that there is something higher, something bigger, something uh, more powerful going on here than just what's visible to the eye. Um, I look back over history and I see many, many times when we've had despots who've done terrible things, and yet eventually we got to the end of that process and 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 uh, things began to look better, and people began to get past it, and healing took place, and changes uh, took place as a result of that. There is a, a way in which we repeat history, and yet we repeat that history. Uh, hopefully to gain more insight each time we go back over the same material. That's what happens in our psychology, and I think that's what happens on a collective basis as well. We could look back and go, look, we're doing the same old thing we've always done, and certainly that's, uh, that, there's some evidence for that, but, but on the other hand, we're not doing the same, the same old things we've always done. We're doing things very differently. So, for example, during Hitler's time, when that regime took over and uh, there were terrible things that were going on, we didn't have the Internet. We didn't have the possibility of communicating with each other and banding together and marching and creating awareness about what's going on. Um, uh, and so, there, you know, that's a difference. There's a different, we've reached a different plateau in our growth. It is technical growth, but it's also the willingness to communicate with each other and pay attention. And there's so many groups online right now that are really involved in, in doing something different and, and, and protesting this and uh, creating uh, an environment of change that, um, you know, that makes a real difference in what's possible here. So, so we have evolved to a new place, and we do have capacities we didn't have back then. And so things can be very different. And that's how the progress through time works. So it's like on an individual psychological basis, it works like this. Um, I might have some dramatic instance in my life where I'm very afraid of something that happens. Maybe it happens very young in my life, and I attach a lot of fear to that, and I, um, then I, I'm, I'm what is called traumatized, and I, and I then uh, feel like that's going to happen again and again. Um, so I'm, I'm afraid. So, for example, I'll give a real easy example to look at. Um, when I was a little girl, I used to wallow in the forests near my home. <laughs> I, I used to, you know, run around without my shirt on and, 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 you know, roll around in the dirt hiding under the bushes from people and climb up trees with poison ivy on them and, 
you know, just run around without any thought whatsoever about any danger. What what was those woods were my woods. They were sacred to me, and there could not be any danger until one day, I ran into a snake, and then all of a sudden I knew that there could be danger, and then I was always looking. What, where's the snake? Where's the snake? Where's the snake? And that's what trauma can do to us. It cannot have us always on the over alert for where's the snake when there's not a snake. And, you know, I could be running through the forest and not be afraid until I encounter a snake and then figure out what to do or have a plan for what to do. But instead, what we do is we're always looking for the snake. Same thing happened years later. I was in an automobile accident. It was a pretty dangerous accident. I was almost pushed off the edge of a cliff. But I was able to grab the wheel, and even though the wheel was difficult to turn, I was able to keep myself from going off that cliff. And uh, for a year after that, I was looking in the rearview mirror waiting for somebody else to hit me. So that's what trauma, a trauma reaction can do. We're waiting for it to happen again. It just happened, and, and you would think the odds, the probabilities of it happening again are pretty slim. But that's not how we think. We don't think in that way. We think... Uh oh, it's going to happen again. It's going to happen again. It's going to happen again. So we've got this avoidance and this um, prevention kind of mentality going on, where we we think we have to stay alert to keep it from happening again. Um, of course, no other car hit me from behind as that had happened that day, and I very rarely see snakes. So uh, you know, these these things are are not going to happen again and again and again, and and so our traumatic response to that is not realistic. It's not telling us the truth. It's telling us a lie. But because we're afraid, we believe the lie. And that's where it gets unbalanced. So we need to be able to discern truth from fiction and and be able to do some self-talk that says, now that's not really true, and calm ourselves down and do some self-soothing and, and allow ourselves to believe the truth that, no, I'm not going to have another wreck again today, and I'm not going to see another snake again today. And if I do... I'll figure out what to do about it. Um, so eventually, through the process of living, we get to this place where we go, okay, bad things are probably going to happen to me. I'm probably going to have some difficult experiences again. But I know now that I have a process by which I can figure out what to do about those things. I can stay with my emotions. I can pay attention to what's going on inside me, and I can really discern what's going on outside of me, and I can make a decision about what's true and what's false. And then I can make some decisions about what I can do about that and what I can't do about that and uh, let go of what I can't do and do what I can when I can. Um, and that, that is a real powerful place to be where we're, we're no longer caught up in fear so much as we are caught up in the realities of living here on planet Earth where sometimes difficult things do happen. And on the other hand, many days nothing difficult happens or if it's difficult it's a normal routine difficult it's not you know a big terrible awful frightening event um so that place of living says okay it's maybe some some uh, difficult more difficult things are going to happen to me but i know now from my experience that i can figure it out and i'll get to the other side of it and so that piece is really really important really important for us to, to stay attuned to that capacity we have to figure life out as it comes our way instead of trying really hard to uh, avoid difficult circumstances always or to, uh, to, to uh, live in a constant sense of fear. Um, so it's important for us to, uh, to stay attuned to that place and to... Uh, uh, work on self-soothing techniques as we go through a regular day instead of waiting until fear strikes to, to pick up those self-soothing skills and that self-talk that really does calm us down. So one of the things that uh, people very commonly use for a self-soothing technique is um, to, uh, to um read Bible verses or read verses from the Bhagavad Gita or from the Quran or from some of the sutras, uh, whatever your sacred text is that you use, to use those and, and, and uh, find things about in those verses or those sacred texts that tell us um, about fear. One of the things I recall from the Christian Bible 
is that, and, and, and the Jewish Tanakh as well, is that very commonly when an angel comes to visit a human being, the first statement out of their mouth is, be not afraid. Be not afraid. I'm here to give you a message. Um, and uh, yet, very commonly, people are very afraid of the angel. You know, uh, Daniel fell, fainted, you know, when he, when he saw an angel. Uh, Mary didn't. Mary didn't. When she had her angel come to visit her, she didn't faint. But, uh, you know, so people have different reactions to these. Hannah uh, um, was able to just say, listen, I want you to come back and visit me again so that I can hear what you have to, I want you to tell me more, you know. Um, and the angel did come back and did tell her more. So now whether you believe in angels or not, whether you think they're real or not, you can still look at this as metaphor for the the powerful psychic messages that come to us from our own psyche that say to us that there's something else here you need to look at, something very promising, something very important that you need to look at. And what comes with that is be not afraid. So, uh, you know, be not afraid is a really important uh, thing to remember when we're getting a message from our own psyche. That we want to be afraid of new messages. We The first response to a new message, like the first response to the angel, is very commonly to be afraid. Um, and um, but, but we're commonly also being told to not be afraid. To this, this is something very important that I've got to tell you. And so if we can sit with that and be present with that, then we can hear the message, and then we know there's nothing to be afraid of because the message itself is a very soothing message. Um, so that's one of the things that I, I remember from the Bible, and the, the Christian Bible and the Jewish Tanakh. Uh, the other thing that, that is a passage that I use quite frequently, and, and I, I go to the Bhagavad Gita, I go to the, uh, the Sufi Sutras, I go to poets, I go to all kinds of people for messages about fear, um, but one of the, the, there's two that I really think are very important specifically for today, and they do happen to come from the Jewish Tanakh in the book of Psalms. Um, and, uh, the first one is, um, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, uh, that one that, uh, this, uh, in the whole passage says, one of the things it says is, um, you fill up my cup completely. And so what that says is we can trust that there is a filling going on. There is a filling that's happening that's a fairly constant process of filling our cup completely so that the cup doesn't uh, get too empty. And when we feel that emptiness coming over us, which is often very frightening, we can say, listen, fill my cup again. Fill my cup, fill my cup, fill my cup. And, that, and we can ask for that because it's promised to us. Um, in that Jewish Tanakh, the passage in Psalms 23, where it says, you fill up my cup completely. And the other one is, in that same uh, psalm, it says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, which is very, very powerful, particularly today, in the political environment that we're in today, that we know that the divine, in whatever form we see the divine, can prepare a table before us in the presence of our enemies. So if you happen to be an LGBTQ person who uh, is perceived as an enemy by the powers that be um, or the powers that are going to be after tomorrow, after Friday, um, then you might be somebody who uh, can say, in the presence of my enemies, the divine prepares a table before me. So even though I've got enemies, the divine is still preparing my table before me. I'm going to be okay because the divine is taking care of me. Because that whole passage starts off with the Lord is my shepherd, not the government, not the Congress, not the Senate, not the cabinet, the Lord. So that's a very soothing um uh, idea and it it comes with a lot of power because it comes from a sacred text and uh, so of course that de depends on how much you believe in the sacred text and the, your sacred text 
text of choice is going to be, it's going to have its own passages about fear and about what to do about fear. And, uh, but those are some of my favorites, and I wanted to share them with you because they've been very helpful to me during this time when I also have been afraid uh, of what is happening in our government and um, see the changes that are occurring with a lot of um, disrespect for humanity. So, um, so it's important for us to recognize that there are places we can go to find specific passages that will really calm us down and help us to get past our fear and enable us to live a more balanced life, even in the face of difficulties, even when danger seems to be out there. So, okay, so we want to talk about that. We're going to talk about some more methods that we can use to deal with fear when we come back right after the break. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Bring your story. Sarah Mare brings the psychology. Bring your problems. Sarah Mare brings the meditation and understanding. Sarah Mare is a psychoanalyst, addiction expert, national fitness competitor, top 40 singer-songwriter, and now she's host of Talk with Sarah Mare, where your life is the inspiration for unique, entertaining conversations about romances, aspirations, even the news, and how psychology and meditation can enrich living. Sarah Mare wants to hear you on Talk with Sarah Mare. Thursdays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific on 7th Wave. Being Here with Ariel and Shia Kane is an ordinary person's guide to modern-day enlightenment. This show is an exciting exploration which opens the door to living in the moment. Don't miss Being Here. Tune in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 noon Eastern with Ariel and Shia Kane right here on the 7th Wave Network. Broaden your mind. Open your heart for a greater understanding of how to express your pure and authentic nature. Tune in and turn on 1111 Talk Radio. Simron, author, publisher, and life mentor, broadens minds and opens hearts to a greater understanding of life, consciousness, and humanity. 1111 Talk Radio is every Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. 1111 Talk Radio. You are not on a journey. You are the journey. You are experience experiencing itself. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Seek greater awareness. Listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1 866 472 5795. That's 1 866 472 5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthews.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And we're back talking today about fear and some of the things that we can do with fear, how we can learn to uh, trust it with it to give us a good message to how for, for what's going on outside of us and sometimes inside of us, how we can process through it when it's telling us unrealistic things. And uh, so what I want to talk about to now is this process of trusting life because that whole, that whole thing is at the bottom of how we deal with fear. Trusting life. What does that mean to trust life? There are one of the biggest lessons I've had in my life is how to trust life to bring me the supply that I need to live on. So there came a time in my life when I literally jumped off a cliff financially. <laughs> Uh, I had a job with an organization that I was, it was a high-powered job. I thought I'd reached the top of my field. and But I was being asked in that job to do some unethical things, which I was not going to do. And so I left that job without having another job. And uh, I, at that time, what I really wanted to do was start my private practice. 
and be able to write, which uh, I've been able to do, of course, since I did that. But um, I started off with uh, just that and a prayer to just kind of say, okay, if I'm really going to be serious about this idea that I tell other people about where you can follow your bliss and the money will follow, then I'm going to follow my bliss and let's see if the money will follow. So the first month that I, um, after I left that job, I had uh, some income from, uh, from a, some work that I was doing privately. And so I got through that month. The second month, I had nothing. I had no projects, nothing to work on, and it happened to be Christmas, and I had two teenage children that I wanted to buy Christmas presents for. I had a friend, a dear friend, who uh, told me that uh, she knew what I was walking through, and um, she decided to give me her Christmas bonus entirely, which was a big, big gift for me. And, of course, I was able to get through that month, and then I was able to... Um, get some gifts for my children not anything extravagant but get them some gifts for Christmas and and then and, and all during that time of course I was applying for contracted jobs where I could work privately for organizations and still maintain uh, begin my private practice and um, so I got a fairly lucrative contract within the next month and uh, stayed with that contract for a couple of years while I built my practice uh, so I was working two days a week out of, for this contract, and the rest of the week I was working out for my private practice. And I was able, after that, to get a couple of other contracts to maintain till I built my private practice to a place where it was steady enough so that I could do just that. So I took that leap, and I began to see that every time I started doubting whether or not I was going to make it and started thinking I need to dust off the old resume, uh, something happened that came along that was uh, that made it possible for me to continue to build my private practice and to work for another contract or to eventually stop working for a contract and just to build my private practice from there. So uh, that that process has enabled me to trust life. And so what I mean by that is that there's an energy of life in all that we do you could call it divine energy. I certainly do call it that. You don't have to call it that, but it, it, it has its own energy. And, it, and it, it calls us. And once we get into the flow of that energy, it carries us to a new place and a new place and a new place and a new place. And every time what we, we get to a new place, it probably comes after a bump that says, uh-oh, be afraid again. Uh-oh, be afraid again. Uh-oh, be afraid again. Um, but if once we pass over the bump and we get to the other side, we're like, oh, okay, there was there was really nothing to fear. I just thought there was. Um, it's just like every time I thought I needed to dust off the resume, I really didn't have to. I didn't have to apply anywhere else. Something else came along. So um, that, like I said, has taught me to trust life. And so now I understand what I mean when I talk about trusting life. I understand it from my own experiential basis that, Life can be trusted to carry us and carry us and carry us to uh, to better and better places. But we have to be willing to take the risk to find out. And that's where I was at that point. I was not going to work for an organization that was asking me to do unethical things, extremely unethical things. And I was not, uh, but I was didn't have anything else. So it was a prayer. It was, okay, universe, are you going to make good on what you what I've heard is always true? Or am I going to fall flat on my face and figure out that I need to get out my resume and go find a job somewhere else? Um, and uh, I didn't really want to find a job somewhere else. I wanted to do what I wanted to do, which was to develop my private practice and to write. And as if you know me, you know that I've written four books. One's coming out in August 2017. And I'm in the process of working on some others now because I have some time to write along with my private practice. Whereas... When I was doing contracts, it was more difficult to have time to write while I was doing my private practice. Not that I won't ever take another contract, I may, but but uh, right now this is what I've, I feel called to do. And that piece is I put together my calling with a life energy and I find that they meet each other on the road and carry each other down that road. I, 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 but we have to be, like I said, willing to experiment. We have to be willing to say, okay, well, let me find out what's true and false here. And that's what I did. 
and I wasn't even sure that that's what I was doing. If you'd asked me at the time that if that was what I was doing, I wouldn't have been able to tell you that. But I look back now, and I know that that's what I was doing. I was experimenting with, with, with the truth of whether or not life could be trusted to carry me. I'd read it in in the Christian Bible and in the Jewish Tanakh and in the Bhagavad Gita and in the Sufi Sutras and the Buddhist Sutras. I'd read it that life carries us and that we don't have to really pinch and pull and drag it to do that. Uh, but I didn't know whether or not that was really actually going to turn out to be true. And so uh, that piece is really, really important for us to keep remembering that we have the right to experiment with truth, to ask ourselves, is it really true? Well, if it is, let me put it to the test and find out. And that is a risk. It is a risk. But I found out that what said said it was true actually was true. Um, and we can do the, all of us can do the same thing. And, you know, we may be in another point right now in our history as a collective where we're having to do that. The experiment that is the United States, is it really true? Or does the shadow that is present, of America that is presenting itself now in its ugliest form, is that really the truth of America? And we can find out by what we do. We, as a, as a collective, will find out. Is the United States really true? And that's a scary process, because what if it's not? What if it's really not? Then we'll do something else. Maybe we'll create another country that is more true. Um, but uh, we are in that place right now where we're being challenged to ask ourselves, is the story that we have told ourselves about the United States really true? And this thing that's happening right now is just another experiment. To ask ourselves that question, can we really be uh, the United States that we think we are? In order for us to do that, we're going to have to deal with the shadow that is is being presented right now. In order for uh, an individual to become a real, authentic individual, he or she is going to have to deal with the unconscious material that is unresolved uh, and, and, and figure it out, get to know it, learn it, understand it, face it befriended even, even begin to be able to utilize it for something better. Um, that process is a part of our growth to wholeness as an individual, and it's going to be a part of our collective process as well, and we might as well get used to it. We had that ugly shadow presented to us in the form of Hitler in, back in the 1930s and 40s, and we did away with it, and we thought that would be the end, that there were no more Hitlers. But, of course, we've seen that there's been uh, dictatorial leaders now that uh, today that commit genocide. We see uh, terrorist organizations that commit genocide. We see terrible things happening around the world. So really, no, the shadow has not gone away. Uh, we still have stuff to deal with as a collective. And now here it is presenting itself right here in America. We thought the problem was terrorist bigotry. Now we see that it's our own bigotry that comes out in the form of, uh, of political bigotry and uh, bigotry in our Justice Department and bigotry in our uh, FBI and bigotry everywhere that, sh- that demonstrates that, uh, no, the shadow is there and then we have not finished dealing with it. And so that's our job now is to recognize that shadow material in each of us as individuals. So we can look at uh, the president-elect, who shall remain nameless right now. The pre- we can look at the president-elect and we can say, what an arrogant, lying, bigoted, misogynistic, xenophobic person. We can do that and we can just put that on him and say, that's it. He's that. And that's all we need to know. Or we can start looking at it in ourselves because it's in us. Um, do I ever lie? You betcha I have lied. Uh, have I ever been arrogant? Yes, I've been arrogant. Have uh, Am I xenophobic? Well, I don't think I am, but uh, I don't know about every culture in the world, and I don't know uh, how much of that not lack of knowledge might be some kind of fear base. Um, am I bigoted against other races? I don't think I am, but there may be some dark place in my shadow that is, and I need to find that if it's there. And I need to get it out and look at it and examine it and see where it came from because it's not authentic. It came from some source in fear. So um, 
that's what we need to be about the business of doing. That's something we can do for the country. That's one something each individual here that's listening to the show can do for this country is to start looking at your own shadow material that looks just like the monster who's our president-elect at this point. And, and we can, instead of hiding that monster in the closet and slamming the door and saying, it's just him, it's just him, it's not us, look at ourselves. Look at ourselves. Um, so, you know, that old adage uh, that, um, you know, you got one finger, finger pointing at somebody else, you got three pointing back at yourself is really true in this sense. That, that the more we look at our own shadow material, the more we'll find a fear base that has, has created that shadow material and pushed it away into our unconscious so that we don't have to look at it, which is based in fear as well, um, and, and, and begin to really process through that stuff and own it, apologize for it, and, and do differently, be differently. Ask, challenge ourselves to grow to another place with regard to our fears. All of those things that we mentioned, xenophobia, misogynism, um, racism, um, homophobia, all of those things are based in fear, unrealistic and unresolved fear. And if we can begin to look at our own shadow material, then we begin to be able to put those things to rest and fear will not dominate us anymore. The whole object of terrorism is to frighten us of the big, bad, ugly group that's going to hurt us because they're bad and we're good. And of course, that's just not true. We've all got the same stuff in us in some form. Maybe they have it in a more extreme form, but we have it in us. So we need to look at that. And that's a really, really, really important thing that we can do both for ourselves and for our country right now. So fear is important. It's got a message for us. And it helps us to grow if we really process through it. And we can learn through fear to trust our way into life, trust our way into a process of growth and wholeness. That's what we've got for today. And we're going to be back again next week. And remember, your job, should you choose to accept it, is to give birth to yourself. Thanks again for listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Join us again next Wednesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern Time here on the 7th Wave Network. We'll talk again next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.